0: It's great to be here. I am super excited. And just to clarify, I know that y'all have malls, okay? That wasn't in question. I was just wondering, from his expertise of living here about mm, 2.5 seconds, what would be a good place to stop? All that to say, I am excited to be here, not at Victoria Gardens, not at my hotel, but here in the House of God on a Sunday morning, because as I look out into the sea of people, I see different faces from different places, different spaces, but our one goal, and the the thing that makes us the same is our passion and love for Jesus Christ. Amen? That was, oh, you get five extra points because you clap first. Now let me tell you something as we just yeah, chart the way through today. Um, a little bit about myself. I am born and raised in Southern California and grew up in Los Angeles. My daddy is a pastor out there. And, and at my dad's church, maybe not here, but at my dad's church, there was the space and the latitude to say Amen. Okay, so you have the space and latitude. No one's going to look at you like you're crazy. And we don't say amen. I wasn't raised in a Pentecostal church or anything like that. But I can, cannot help but see and hear God move in the lives of people or through the lives of characters in the Bible and not say Amen. Because God is good. Amen does not assage my ego. It doesn't make me feel good about myself. Amen is affirming a work that God is doing. And God is doing a work here at Hillside. How can we be reverent of the past and everything, the years that have come, and the history and the legacy of this church? Well, knowing that we are going deeper and we are growing wider for God's call and mission commission upon this church under the, thank you, I got a witness up in there, hallelujah, oh you, you, you got filled the Holy Spirit right now but let me tell you something, I met with Aaron and I met with Brian as we were preparing to talk about this two week series, uh, Dr. Suresh was here last weekend and that is a tough act to follow, I mean the man just brought it down and we will talk about slavery and we will talk about the A21 campaign, but um, as a daughter of a preacher and I'm now married to a pastor and I swear I was never going to do that but God has a funny sense of humor um, I cannot help but open up god's word on a sunday morning the second thing that you'll know about me brian mentioned that i am chief storyteller for the a21 campaign we have the audacious goal of abolishing the injustice of slavery in the 21st century we have eight offices yeah that's awesome it's it's a hard goal But nothing is impossible for our God as we sang this morning, and I hope that we mean the words that we sing. Our God is able. Amen. Um, I am Hispanic and I am a female, which means that I talk fast, I yell, I use my hands, and at times I get emotional. Just ignore it. It comes with the package. And I have a timer right here in front of me. You don't believe in miracles? Let me tell you something. There is 30 minutes on this timer. If I finish this message in 30 minutes, you have seen a miracle. Hallelujah. And lastly, I'm married to a German man. If you know anything about the Germans, they are the over-organized ones, and so good with the time, and so good with the money and the budget, so I will make my husband proud, and I will finish on the time. Let's go. (laughs) As we go into God's word, I know that I'm not the only one in here who's optimistic. Not only am I optimistic, I uh, love fairy tales, I love lands far, far away, and beautiful things with happy endings. My perfect day would be to curl up with a good book on my couch or my bed and tons of pillows and a warm, cozy blanket and read a big, thick novel about a female hero, a heroine who saves the day and her thighs don't touch. Why? Because I love illusion. I love illusion. And illusion is fine and stories and fairy tales are good, but when we have too much illusion, we become Delusional. Too much illusion leads to delusion. And I'm here to tell us this morning, not as a doomsday or not as a black cloud prophet, but let me tell you something. I have been to many churches and I've seen what is going around across the globe. And here specifically in America, things are not as they seem. Things are not as they seem. We have a certain perception of what spiritual success looks like. I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to drop $10 in the offering box, I'm going to say hello, God bless you, amen, and speak Christianese, and the rest of my life is going to go on. Oh, but if you are the crazy, I mean, if you are the I am sold out for God, I give 10% of my income. I am a good Christian. But what if, maybe, just maybe, God is more concerned with the 90% of how you live your life than the 10% that you're dropping in the offering box? What if the pain that we are experiencing, what if us wanting to hear God and feeling deafened to the voice of our Father is simply because we are so consumed with living our own life, our self-centeredness, our lack of relationship, when Christ is saying, I want to speak to you, I love your actions, but I'm more concerned with your heart. And as we go, as this church goes on a journey in uncovering and excavating what slavery looks like, not just across the globe, but here in, this own com- in our own community, far be it from us, for me to throw out data and statistics and facts, and we will have that. And I am going to show you a video, and located right out here, we have a booth with people who will give you resources about human trafficking, what we do, but more importantly, it's opening up God's word, because cursed be us, cursed be a generation that cares more about our actions than understanding the heart of the Father. And hearing from him. So turn with me in your Bible to Isaiah 58. And that's where we're going to camp out there. But before that, as we move in this movement, the journey as a church and us as individuals, me included, from top down. How do we move in the spiritual journey from illusion and feeling like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm a pretty good Christian. I go to church. How do we move in this illusion into a deep, authentic, real relationship to hear and know the heart of our Father? There's two ways to break illusion. Two ways to radically change. The first way is the discipline approach. If you're taking note, you could put it up on the screen because I'm sure you are a note taker. If you're disciplined, you're a note taker. I am going to go to church. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to go to the prayer meeting. I'm going to clean restrooms. I'm going to go on a mission trip. I'm going to wake up at 4 o'clock every morning and pray for two hours. You know those people at church, like... uh, I, maybe not this church. Maybe you all are just really amazing. But I, I grew up in a church where we had some, shall we say, Pharisees. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, Why are you tired? Why are you tired? I've been praying for four hours. It's exhausting. Or, or oh gosh, I'm so hungry. Oh, I'm so hungry. Why are you hungry? Don't ask. I can't tell you that I'm fasting. No. That's not what we want. That's the discipline approach, and that lasts all about 2.5 seconds. But the second approach is one that we don't have to try. It's not turn crank. It's not forced. I am a Christian. This is what I do. No, the way to pierce that illusion is through pain, and you don't have to ask for it. It just comes. Pain shakes us. Pain causes reality. You can be anesthetized, skating through life unfazed, unharmed, unmoved until we experience pain. So today I ask as we go through Isaiah 58, are you experiencing pain today? Relational pain, financial pain, spiritual pain, physical pain. Let's take a look at some statistics. i put them up on the screen. Employment is at 9.3%. Foreclosures are at an all-time high. Our economy is in one of the greatest Recessions of all times. Colleges are closing down. Scholarships are being removed. Stress is the number one reason why people are going to the doctors. Now let's take a look from a global perspective. Is there pain? Is the earth groaning in pain? From a global perspective, one in seven people in this world is starving. Every 15 seconds, a child becomes an AIDS orphan in the continent of Africa. 3.4 million people die each year from water-related diseases. And at this moment, there are more than 27 million slaves across the globe. Every 30 seconds, someone's being sucked into slavery, whether a child, an adult, whether old or young, whether male or female, every 30 seconds. That 27 million slaves, on their back and through their body, through their labor, they're generating $32 billion of revenue each year that's more than starbucks nike and target combined how is this going on and how as we as a church sitting in our air-conditioned building with beautiful staging and lights and comfy chairs not rising up and saying not on my watch that there was a remnant of people when the holocaust occurred that said that is wrong we will not stand for that and the holocaust was abolished We firmly believe that in this century, we can abolish the injustice of slavery, and it's the church that's going to rise up and take a stand. Instead of the church hearing the statistics, like I said, I don't want you to experience analysis paralysis. There's so much to do, I can't do anything. I'm just going to go on. I don't want analysis paralysis. Christians sometimes have this this fear, like, I I, I can't do anything, so I won't do anything, Um, and to numb this pain, to anesthetize this pain that I'm experiencing. How can I think about these injustices, whether homelessness, starvation, thirst, hunger, um, slavery? How can I think about that when I can't make my mortgage, when my marriage is on the fritz, when my kids are wayward? I don't want us to become anesthetized to the pain by overeating, overdrinking, less sleeping, more medication, because by statistics, that is what's going on to the church. I want us to feel the pain. I want us to feel the pain this morning because the world cannot relate to our comfort. We as Americans, we love comfort, but the world as a whole cannot understand and groan with us in our pain. The truth is you cannot have resurrection without suffering. Do you want a resurrection in your life? you want the dead to become life? Let me tell you something. There is pain to get there because you cannot have resurrection unless there is death. And you, at my daddy's church, he, the church used to say, you, the miracles come after the messes. Is there a mess in your life? Turn with me to Isaiah 58 as we see the church of this time crying out and saying, why isn't God answering us? Isaiah 58, 1-3, shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please, and you exploit all your workers. Sadly, by statistical data, this is a picture of the American church. We look righteous. We make much of God. God, why aren't you impressed? Look at all that I'm doing. I'm dropping money in. I was part of the church building campaign. Why aren't you answering my prayers? Well, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know you, but God does. Maybe... He doesn't care about your ostentatious giving. He doesn't care about the words that you're saying or the Christianese that you're speaking. Maybe he cares about the issues of your heart, and maybe as we go through this passage of Scripture, 10 verses this morning, that instead of trying to numb our pain, we ask ourselves, is everything okay? As a church, as a community, and as us as individuals. We wonder why people are leaving the church in mass. Kids looking at their families saying, you're a Christian, coworkers looking at, Austin saying, you're a Christian? College, uh, college mates asking, wait, you're a Christian? Hypocrisy is everywhere, and we see this in the days of Isaiah and in 2013. In verse 4 and 5, your fasting ends in quarreling and strife, in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast that I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? One Sunday you're going to come here and fake the funk? God knows real. Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes during this time? It was a sign. I'm going to get on my knees. God, look at me. I'm putting ashes on my head. Everyone knew. Everyone of that time would knew if somebody was fasting or trying to hear from God. And much like us, God, I want to hear you. God, I want to see you. Get up, dust yourself off, stop faking the funk and start living the way that God has called us to live. We don't experience life transformation. We don't hear God through religious motion we do not hear God through religious motion we don't we don't do it to feel good about ourselves and that is we do that sometimes to feel good about ourselves check went to church dropped off money told kids I loved them prayed awesome we're good that's religious motion we don't experience God through that God was not indicting them for their actions God was indicting them for their heart because fasting is good and praying is good and crying out is good. But he was indicting them for their heart, not their activity. What we see in this passage was a self-centeredness problem. You're doing this so that you can feel good about what you're doing, not so that you can worship me. Not so that you can worship me. In verse 4, what's the point of this fast if you keep quarreling? So the other problem that we see here in this text is that there's a relationship problem. You're not in relationship with people. Don't fool yourself to think that if you do not have relationship with those that are around you, that you have a real relationship with God. To be in relationship with those around us will reveal the depth and relationship that we have with our creator. I don't like my husband. He's not a good Christian. I don't like those people from church. They're too young. They're too old. Their music's too loud. It's too cold in there. I don't want to go to that church. I don't want to see my neighbor. They're so loud. Where is Christ in that? They're having a relationship problem. What we see here is sometimes we can make much of ourselves in the process of trying to make much of God. Now, I love pop culture, and I love pop culture iconography and references. I love social media because what it does is it gives us a pulse on where, the cult, where culture is going. And I take a look at that as where culture is going and see how the church can respond, if not curtail any of that uh, negativity that we see. Well, Carl's Jr. came out with an ad campaign several years ago. It started off with Paris Hilton, and then it went to Kim Kardashian, and now there's a, a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model that did an ad, ca- ad campaign displaying this amazing hamburger. Can you give me that picture up on the screen? This is Paris Hilton biting into this massive hamburger, a delectable caloric amount of goodness oozing with melted cheese and grilled meat and carbohydrates. And I look at that picture and I say, that is wrong. And you probably think, I think it's wrong because it's over-sexualization of women and I want to be righteous and say that's why I'm mad, but it's not. That is wrong because that's a lie. No one that skinny eats anything that big. No one. All the ladies in the house, film me because really. But the problem with that is we come sometimes come to church or we'll go on a mission trip. It's just like I'm going to tweet and Instagram all these amazing things that I'm doing. Look at I'm feeding starving children. Look at I'm giving money to Dr. Suresh in India. Look at what I'm doing. I'm going to my neighbor. Oh, this is so amazing. But can you hit me with that next slide? Because let me show you what we really look like. This is really a Carl's Jr. hamburger that I snapped on my phone. We think that we offer so much, but it isn't the reality, the harsh reality, the pain of knowing what you offer is not what you think, that there's so much more, that we are capable of so much more, that this church is capable of so much more as you go wider and deeper in knowing who Christ is and the call and commission for what he has. The truth is that we are not an airbrushed picture of perfection, that we are broken in need of a Savior, but in that realization, we get a picture of who God is, his heart for those that are broken and in need of him as well. So can we admit it? I love what Amos, the old prophet in the Old Testament, Amos, in Amos 5, I love the message version of this. It's up on the screen, and I'm going to read it over us. The hard time, a hard to... Rewind, time to face a hard reality, not fantasy, is the subtext above Isaiah 5 in this section. God, At God's coming, we face a hard reality, not fantasy. A black cloud with no silver lining, quotations. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religious projects, your pretentious slogans or goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all that I can take of your ego, noisy music. When was the last time that you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice. Oceans of it. I want fairness. Rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all that I want. There's two things that we see in Isaiah 58. There's two things that we see in Amos 5. There's two things that we see um, in Deuteronomy 6, 5, and then also in the Gospels when Jesus says the two, how you love God, loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. We see this time and time again. This is a spe- the test of spirituality. This is the gauge a spirituality. Do you love God with all your heart, everything, the totality of your being? And do you love your neighbor as you love yourself? Verse 6, is this not the time of fast I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every chain? For those that are wrongly imprisoned, for the stay-at-home mom who has lost her job, has multiple kids, or the single mom that has lost her job and has multiple kids, for the homeless man that's sleeping under a park bench here in Rancho Cucamonga, for the 12-year-old girls that are being sucked into the slave trade industry and very much looks like forced prostitution here in America, for those that are thirsty, for those that are hungry, is that not the call to share your food with those that do not have, to break the loose, to break the chains of injustice, to untie the cords and bondage that people are in galatians 5 1 says it is for freedom that christ has set us free if you are free you have a moral obligation to free those who are not free And I'm not just talking about physical slavery because that's what God has put in my hands. That's what he put in front of me. But maybe it's physical slavery, emotional slavery, a slave through addiction, slave through finances, slave through fame, through sex, through porn, through drugs, through alcohol. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Break those chains. You are in bondage. You need to find freedom. And the only person that can give you freedom is a man named Jesus Christ that is who we serve. And if you are free, free those around us. Around this globe, in this country, in this state, in this city. Now, I'm sure you're thinking that this girl is crazy. I'm not. I'm not. Um. I'm not crazy. Well, my husband kind of thinks I am, but me and my multiple personalities all want to say that we love him. But I, what I really am is passionate about the church rising up, and I love the vision and commission on mission for this church, where you guys are going. It just gets me so excited. So pull out your notes, um, jot it down, get a tattoo on your forearm for all I care. We're going to do three things. We're going to look at three things in this text that are radical, and I believe that the, God is calling the church to go. Number one is radical mercy. In these scriptures, we see radical mercy, that you would be so generous, that you would be so compassionate, that people would look at your life, those that interact with you and your communities and your campuses and your cubicles and your churches and say, they are different. I love when an early church father once said, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. I love that. I love that because our life should be a fragrance. Our life should be a beautiful, our life should be an artwork. You know what our life should be. Uh, Last night at the Saturday night service is what came to me because I was hungry. And have you ever walked into an Italian restaurant and you are just you are thirsty, you are hungry, you haven't eaten all day. You open up the Italian restaurant and you smell like roasted basil and garlic and crushed red tomatoes with a little bit of red pepper flakes, some fresh cracked pepper, some kosher salt, marinating all day with maybe some fennel seeds and you smell homemade pasta and it's this whiff of amazingness and you're just like, that smells so good. Two people feel me right now. Okay, maybe you all are from Orange County, and you like asparagus and a cup of water. Maybe that smells really good to you. But I like to eat, okay? I'm I'm Hispanic. We throw down. Have you ever walked into somebody's house and smelled something so good? That is how our life should be. So radical in our mercy, so radical in our compassion, that people will say there's something different about them. Now, the church is really good about responding to compassion, So mercy is involving compassion. The church is great with compassion. But I believe that God's heart for justice is equally on par as it is with compassion. Well, what's compassion? Compassion is meeting a specific need. For example, there's a baby floating down the river. And I'm, I'm going to go in, jump into the river, and rescue that baby. That is compassion. I'm taking care of a need. I'm meeting a need. But justice, justice is something different. Justice is jumping into the river, removing that baby, rocking that baby, gathering these people around me, saying, "What is going on? Why was this baby in the river? How can we make this different? What are the systems and structures in place that cause this to happen? Why don't we go up the river and find out what's going on up there so we can meet this need? That is justice, my friends. At the A21 campaign, we believe that it's comprehensive. I'm going to show you a quick video about what. we are doing, not only to be compassionate and have radical mercy, but also to fight for justice for those who need it in their time of need. There is audio on this. So I can... We don't need to show the video, it's all good. We'll show it at the end, how about that? We'll cue it up. In meeting the need for compassion, and meeting a need for justice, it's asking why this is happening. And one of the, the stories that I love the most is in a girl that was rescued and pulled off out the street, brazen Russian girl was in our shelter, angry and upset. She'd only been there for two days. She had no idea who we were. She had no idea what we wanted. She'd been trafficked for four years, hard, callous, servicing up to 40 men a day and receiving nothing in return but bruises and beating and starvation. Uh, Our founder, Christine Kane, the lady with the blonde hair that you just saw, she was sharing with the girls that were around them. Her story, how she was left in a hospital, unnamed and unwanted, abused for 13 years, and God had rescued her, God had loved her and found her, and all this other stuff, and this Russian girl, everyone else was quiet, but this Russian girl stands up and says, why are you here? Why did you come? To which Christine responds, because... I serve a God who loves, I serve a God who's forgiving, a God who redeems and he wants to do the transforming work in your life like he did in my life. And Christine is going on with her message and oration of freedom and liberation. This girl stands up and says, no, no. If what you're saying is true, and you serving this God, if what you're saying is true, then why didn't you come sooner? If we believe what the gospel says, if we believe what the Bible says, that we are his hands, that we are his feet, empowered through the power of the Holy Spirit, to go out into our communities and change it and love people in their need like Christ, why didn't we come sooner? Radical justice, it's not just compassion, it's taking it Deeper. Radical mercy, now radical justice. Verse 7, is it not to share food with the hungry, to provide the poor wander with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Take wanderers in. When was the last time we let people in? Physically and metaphorically. Opened up our front doors, but then also opened up the doors to our hearts. Oh, I tried doing a couple Bible studies at church, or I'm not too sure if I'm gonna go to that prayer meeting tonight. I don't really know anyone. When was the last time that you opened up your doors and said, I want to see what God has for me? Who is gonna come? And if we are called to live out Isaiah 58, these are what we're, these things are what we're going to have to do. Professor Howard Hendricks out of Harvard said that you can oppress people from afar, but you can only impact people up close. For us to affect the next generation and generation after that, we must be up close with them. We must not preach at them, throw tracks. That's being a salesman. Let me tell you about a man named Jesus. For 999, you can find salvation in a lifetime in heaven. No, it's relationship. because when people know you and see Jesus living in you, they want that. Lastly, radical sacrifice. Is it not to share your food and the hungry? These are all great concepts. Giving your food, opening up your door to a wanderer, loving your neighbors, opening up your house to your in-laws. That's literally what he said. So for all you have issues with in-laws, take a look at Isaiah 58. It's not just a mindset. It's action-oriented. Now, if you're taking note, if you look at this passage in Hebrews, Uh, verses 6 through 8 have a series of infinitives. Infinitives are do. Do, 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 do. Do this, do that, do this. Why? Because that's the heart of the Father. We don't just talk about it. We're not talking heads, talking about justice, talking about homelessness, that we're actually going to go into the community and live this out. Live justice, welcome the wanderers. welcome people into your home. Now, I know this sounds hard, and I know this sounds radical. You're talking to the queen of easy. I just want everything to be easy. Man, I was raised in the hood. I was uh, homeschooled as a kid. I didn't learn to read. At the age of 11, I still couldn't read. I was obese. I was marginalized, ostracized, oppressed, oppressed, depressed, but misogynistic hand of man living in the ghetto. I mean, I had every reason by statistical standards to repeat the generational cycle of those that had gone before me. But let me tell you something. We serve a God who is able, and he took that pain. He took the pain of my life. And used it for a purpose. Let your pain have a purpose. Because the pain that you're experiencing today will rouse you out of this delusionment. And say, God, what are you teaching me in the midst of this? And how can I use it to impact those later? Because this pain of being brown, of being female, of being oppressed, of being poor, of being dumb, being stupid. Ended up working in my favor as I was packing my bags to go to meet my coworkers in uh, Greece. Our flagship office is in Thessaloniki, Greece. There we have transition homes, shelters, legal offices, Admin offices and of course offices around the globe. But I was packing to go there, I received an email from my coworker who said, We have a girl in a detention center, she's been there for fourteen days. We cannot communicate with her, she only speaks Spanish. I told our legal team that you are a translator and can translate when you get here. See you in eighteen hours hold up I may be brown but I do not speak Spanish like the Spanish that I learned was from watching novelas with my grandmother on channel 34 okay so to speak about the illegal ramifications of entry into the European Union without proper documentation blah 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 blah. there was no way like there was no way I was going to take this girl's story in my hand and try to do this you've got to be kidding me I emailed her back real quick I said I am so sorry Annie I don't think I'm your girl I, I don't speak Spanish she emailed me back you're our only option To which I emailed back, well, I'm your best option. I hopped on Twitter. I hopped on Facebook. I called my mom. I called my dad. I was soliciting anybody and everybody, my cousins, neighbors, dogs, walkers, pet man, friends, to pray for me. I need the gift of tongues in Spanish. I need God to show up. I was journaling on the plane like, sweet baby Jesus, give me your word to say. I was writing every Spanish verb that I knew. I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, I was picked up from the airport in a taxi, and our lawyer... I was there, and she could have been speaking in tongues for all I knew, because it was all Greek to me, literally. She's on the phone with trying to call these people, and we have to get access, and she's just like, you're a translator, you're a translator. I'm like, I'm, I, uh, sure, I'll be a translator. We get to this uh, dank, dark building with uh, peeling paint off the front of the wall, and there was guards outside, and she spoke to them in Greek, told them I was the translator, Translator, and we walked up a thin, narrow stairwell. I still remember the smell. I remember the mint green colored walls, the narrow staircase as we ascended to the second story of this building. I entered in the thick haze of cigarette smoke and Greek guards all using their hands and yelling as typical Greeks do. When she explained why we were there, we were ushered over to some cells, a row of cell after cell after cell, there was concrete floors and concrete walls and concrete ceilings, and separating freedom from slavery was thick, impenetrable steel bars. I remember the smell. I remember the sight. I remember everything, and it comes back into my mind right now because I saw um, 14, 15, 16 girls sandwiched side by side laying on dirty, dingy mats, covering themselves with green burlap blankets in a state of comatose, hopeless, lifeless, listless, watching a 12-inch television monitor screen of Dancing with the Stars. I said, what is going on? How can this be? This is 2011, and this is going on, and the world is oblivious to what is going on, and that's the safe part. They were with the authorities at that time. I can't imagine the situation they were coming from. Well, the guard motioned to a girl with caramel-colored skin and chocolate-colored eyes. She approached very nervously, trepidatiously. And the moment that I opened up my mouth and I said, Hola, me llamo Bianca. Nosotros queremos ayudar. Hello, my name is Bianca. We want to help you. The first time that she heard somebody communicate with her, she stuck her hand out through the bar and she said, Ayúdame, ayúdame, por favor. Help me, help me, please. It was in that moment that I realized that her cry was a cry of a generation of people who are crying out, help me, help me, please, help me, help me, please the homeless man that is sleeping under the park bench is crying out in his drunken stupor help me, help me please the single mom with the kids who cannot make ends meet is crying out help me, help me please, the widow at home alone wanting to be in community and relationship is crying out help me, help me please those that are thirsty, those that are starving those that are hungry are crying out help me help me please, and as this church hillside prepares to unravel what it looks like to fight slavery in the 21st century, there are thousands upon hundreds of thousands upon millions that are crying out help me help me please and this church has an opportunity to do that this church has an opportunity to be his hands his feet to make a difference here in verse 8 then your light you want to hear from god you want to see god you want to be in communion with god then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the lord will be your rear guard glory in hebrew it, it, it means beauty. That then, when you do these things, that there will be a sense of beauty that people will see something beautiful. Don't do church. Be the church. Don't fake being a Christian. Actually, be Christian. Be a disciple of Jesus Christ. In verse nine, then you will call to, then you will call, and the Lord will answer. He will cry for help, and he will say, "Here I am." You are the answer to somebody's problem. You are the solution to somebody's question. You are the very shoulders that someone can stand on and reach for a relationship for Jesus Christ. So I commission and bless this church as you guys radically move out into the future of this church and in this community around the globe to live like Jesus. Don't play church. Be church. Don't talk about justice. Live justly. You want righteousness in this nation, righteousness in this country. Live like a righteous person. It doesn't start with the pastor. It doesn't start with Pastor Aaron. It doesn't start with your teachers. It doesn't start with your husband, your spouse, your kids. It starts with you. We're going to show you a quick video. Brian's going to co- co- close out a response time. We have a booth in the back. If you have any questions, or like more information, we're here to help. God, be with us as we pursue what it looks like to understand your heart, the heart of a father who is kind, caring, and compassionate, but also is a God of justice and mercy and grace. Move in our hearts. Move in this church.
1: Imagine being 15 years old, taken, trapped, and forced to service up to 40 men a day. You have no hope, no freedom, only fear. Then you get pregnant and your baby's taken and sold into a pedophile ring. This is not a fictional story. This is a present day reality for millions of people. In fact, more than 27 million. It's hard for us not to be overwhelmed by these statistics, but we must remember that everyone matters. What if I was the one? What if you were the one? Eleanor came to Greece with a dream of becoming a nurse. But when she arrived, she found out that her traffickers had tricked her and she was sold into the sex trade industry. One day, she jumped off a four-storey balcony trying to end her life. She could no longer live with the horror and terror. The authorities found her and brought her to our A21 transition home, where our lawyers were able to see justice served as her trafficker was imprisoned and sentenced to 15 and a half years. Eleanor was put through the A21 transition program. Today, she's in college studying to fulfill her dream of becoming a nurse. Because of girls like Eleanor, the work of the A21 campaign will not stop. We are actively on the ground fighting human trafficking in Bulgaria, in the Ukraine, in Greece, in England, in Australia, in North America, and there's still more to come. While there are 27 million slaves in the world right now, there are more than 2 billion Christians. We are the danger to the darkness. We who have been rescued have a responsibility to rescue. Do you realize what a collective force for good we could be? We are the church, the hands and the feet of Jesus. There are endless ways that we can make a difference. We are all over society. Each one of us alone cannot do everything, but we can all do something. Never underestimate the part that you can play. Together, we have the opportunity to abolish slavery in our lifetime. This is our time to write history. It's a big story that God is writing, and we get to be a part of it. What an honor. What a privilege. I want to invite you to stand with us, and we're going to close. Harmony's going to lead us, and as she does, I believe these are lyrics that, that can help us just say the things we need to say to God. We're waiting here for you, but we're going to sing and to fill us up with courage to go from this place and to begin stepping forward into this great mission of following Jesus. Harmony leads us, and as we get to the the words of this chorus, waiting here for you with my hand.